Mr. Butts. Mr. Jim. How's life, man? Life's good. Good? Yeah. Welcome to the show. This is the podcast forum for anybody that's new. Uh, if you're watching, don't worry, we're working on a second camera. Uh, watch some of the B-roll and then just listen to the full full length interview here. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Things have been good with you? Yeah, everything's been good. Uh, we're four weeks into the, the copper spoon. Some like to call it the rusty spoon. The rusty spoon. Um, yeah, it's been really busy. Um, it's going well. Yeah? Yeah. Dude, rebranding is a very difficult thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was kind of late to the game on that. Um, I mean, I started there maybe three weeks before the whole rebranding and all that stuff. A lot of things were already put in motion before my arrival. Um, my main focus was just changing the entire menu and turning the whole thing around food wise yeah food yeah Yeah. and and we only shut down for one day so we ended saturday night service as wind down and uh we're closed sunday we're always closed on sundays and then we took one extra day monday and basically redid the entire menu um and launched it on tuesday so what was that like for you redoing the menu i mean you obviously have some exquisite taste uh but at the same time I mean, based on our promo, you like some of the simple things in life when it comes to food. Yeah. Uh, what, what's going through your mind when you're doing a menu? Uh, is it a seasonal thing? Obviously, it's a little bit of the farms. Yeah, obviously seasonal. Um, a lot of it comes from what's available from, say, like Hawkins Farm. Um, that's probably one of my biggest um, suppliers for local local vegetables and meats. And so when Zach Hawkins sends me the list, um, I will go through it and I'm like, well, take some of this, take some of that. I don't even, a lot of times I don't even have a plan for anything until it comes through the back door and I'm like, all right, let's do some stuff. So you just kind of wing it? Uh, a lot of stuff is, yeah, winging it for sure. You ever get scared that you're going to wing it and it's going to be like, oh, this is shit? No, not really. Um, I think I've got enough experience. Um, cooking that I'm not going to make any like really stupid mistakes. Um, I kind of know what works, you know, so how many years you've been cooking now? How old am I? 42, 20, I don't know, 25 years probably. And where'd you get your start? Uh, well, first job was little Caesars pizzeria, Riviera Plaza, um, high school job, just slinging pizzas, working the register, you're slinging pizzas before slinging was actually a word. Right, exactly. Um, that was a great job. It was fun. A lot of high school friends worked there. Um, I had a girlfriend at the time. Uh, she worked there. And it was just a cool spot. We're just messing around. You know, just a bunch of kids running that pizzeria. I mean, the manager was pretty, pretty MIA a lot of the time. So we got away with a lot of stuff. And you got to experiment a little bit, I'm taking it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was your best creation? Our most famous creation amongst my friends that worked there was uh, the macho taco. What was the macho taco? Uh, basically, it was a calzone. Okay. Um, but a mammoth calzone stuffed with all the stuff, all the toppings, um, all the cheese. And I don't think anyone has ever finished a macho taco. Even you? No, not, not even me. I was pretty skinny. Back really? Then. Yeah. So then you went from Little Caesars and what was the progression for the kitchen at least? Uh, Little Caesars. And then I was, I got a job at Don Hall's guest house. I was actually kind of tricked into this job. Um, I had a buddy, Jeff, who was working there and he was washing dishes and he's like, Hey man, they're, this place is hiring, um, and they're paying whatever the rate was back then. That was good. You know, seven bucks an hour or something like that, uh, which was more than I was making at Little Caesars. And, uh, you know, check it out. So I went and applied for that job. Unbeknownst to me, I was actually his replacement. So when I got <laughs> hired, he moved to the line um, into the kitchen. And I thought it was going to be, yeah, me and my, my best friend, you know, washing dishes together, goofing off. But uh, no, he ended up going to the kitchen and I was stuck with, you know, some 70-year-old 
dishwasher guy <laughs> and some 80 year old lady and I'm like what what the hell dude <laughs> kind of screwed me here uh but that didn't last long so i ended up moving to uh salads and desserts for guest house is that kind of where everybody starts just universally in the in the industry um yeah i mean especially in that that kind of setting you know hotel setting for sure cold foods uh cold prep stuff like that um but what was kind of cool about that position so i wasn't on like the hotline so i was like back in more like the big area big open like prep kitchen area and at the time the guest house had a fine dining restaurant nestled in there little probably 40 seat um tiny little spot and the pastry chef was working in kind of the same area that i was working in and he was good he was a really good chef um and i would watch him and he would show me stuff and um you know just like absorbing everything at a really fast rate and one day he had he had quite a temper on him and one day some argument ensued and he threw his apron down and walked out the door never to be heard from again so that left the only person that knew anything about the desserts he was doing was 16 year old Aaron Butts and I was quickly uh, promoted um, <laughs> I guess <laughs> to uh, handling the desserts and stuff for this fine dining restaurant and um, that's when everything started like right then I basically I mean I, I probably would have I'd still be a chef um, I mean I, I liked it before but I kind of owe that pastry chef um, I guess my career. I mean, I don't know. That was like what the catalyst uh, was him quitting and you just kind of on the spot and me stepping in um, to do that. Got my, got my face into the fine dining atmosphere of, you know, the culinary field. And so I started watching what, you know, they they had like their own separate kitchen in there. Um, You know, two cooks working in there, real small, and I'd poke my head and see what they're doing. They're showing me all the stuff. And before long, I was cooking on the line with them. Um, and just like, we were really doing some really good food back then. Um, like I would put some of those dishes on a menu now, you know, 20 some years later. Wow. Um, just some good, good food. Not really like locally focused. Um, that really wasn't a thing back in, you know, like the mid 90s. As much as it is now, but um, it was solid techniques, you know. I mean, these guys were they were good, and um, that's what got me into hot cooking and you know that that side of the kitchen. And um, I learned a lot and just never stopped, just absorbed everything. Just kept going and kept going, learning everything that you can. Yeah. So then that guy quitting, um, that pastry chef quitting. Was there just a switch that went off in your head, like this is it? Like this is this is what I'm doing, or was there things before where you just had a general interest? Like, hey, I really I really like this cooking thing, you know. I mean, at the time, you know, you're 16, 17 years old. You're in high school. It's it's just a job. It was a job for me, and it was fun. Um, but there was a time when I was like, man, I, I think I can do this, and this is really interesting. I'm I'm really liking this. I'm learning a lot, you know. I didn't have any plans for college. Um, I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. Um, I mean, if I wasn't a chef, the only other thing I probably would be would be a police officer. Really? Yeah. If you weren't doing that? If I wasn't doing that, um, I probably would have been, yeah, sort of law enforcement. Why would you want to do that? I mean, those don't seem to relate, at least in my mind. Well, my dad was a cop, um, and I, I just think that's also something I would be I would be good at for some reason. I mean, you know, like when people are just at good at a certain thing, you think you can put them in any sort of situation and they'd be still excel, mm-hmm. you know, they'd still learn, they'd do a good job. Um, and that was the only other really thing that I was interested in. But 
I was already cooking. So, so when your when your parents found out that you just kind of want to do the the cooking life, was that a letdown for them, or were they more so encouraging for it? No, I think they thought uh, they thought it was fine. I mean, it yeah. was. Um, I mean, especially now. Um, yeah, there was no no disappointment or anything about right. that. Good. I just did what I wanted to do, and when I graduated high school, um, you know, I was living with my my mom. Uh, my parents have been separated since I was really young. And when I graduated high school, she took a job down um, in Indianapolis. And she's like, hey, I'm you know moving out or I'm moving for this. You can come with me or you can stay here. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm doing something now. You know, I'm like really into something. I, I've got a, a cool job that I'm into and... Um, I don't just want to graduate high school and leave, mm-hmm. you know? So I stuck around. Um, when I graduated high school and I was 17 and had a hard time finding an apartment that would rent out to a 17 year old, Really, but I found a place and, uh, moved in there and, you know, just kind of did the whole party thing with my friends and late nights, you know, I'm like, I'm free. I'm Living that hashtag. No school. Right. Living my best life before that was a thing too. Um, just having fun, you know. And, uh, so then, was there a point in there where you kind of like left Don Halls, or uh, where you just really realized like this is my thing, like uh, this is going to be what I do with my life. This is my craft. This is my art. Yeah, I think uh, my exit from from Mallory's at the Guest House Hotel um, was all right, this is what I'm going to pursue. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start looking for, for jobs, like good jobs, uh, where I can learn and, uh, you know, excel at. I didn't have any real aspirations of like owning my own restaurant or anything. I just wanted to cook. I just wanted to learn, you know, and I worked at several different places. Um, couple country clubs. Um, I worked at Paula's on Maine. Um, I moved down to Indianapolis and worked down there for a while. Worked at a big catering firm where we did like uh, crazy big events like Indianapolis 500 and Brickyard and RCA tennis championships, NCAA, you know, just cool, uh, high profile events. And we also do like smaller intimate caterings. Uh, so I learned a lot on like that sort of style of cooking for large groups. And I worked at like this fancy steak place, like steakhouse, uh, down right on the circle, um, downtown Indy. And then, uh, moved back to Fort Wayne and ended up landing the job at Joseph Dequies. Um, what is Joseph Dequies for people that might not know? Uh, Justin Equis is a restaurant located in Roanoke, Indiana. So it's about, you know, 12, 13 miles southwest of Fort Wayne. Um, it was opened as a kind of a private dining facility for clients of American Specialty Insurance, which was located across the street. So before they would entertain clients at their home. And, you know, um, Alice, the, the wife of, of Pete, who was the CEO and co-founder of American Specialty, he would, she would cook and their kids would be like servers and right. what, whatever. It just wasn't, it wasn't very professional. And uh, so they bought a little spot, downtown Roanoke, opened up this little private restaurant, if you will, not open to the public. And they had a chef and probably one other cook and over time they're like all right we need to maybe open this up into like a real restaurant so they brought uh me on as a sous chef and that was 2000 august 2000 or july of 2000 and then we opened up to the public in august and i stayed there um i was there for 15 years and for the first about four to five years, I worked under a chef and she quit. And her husband was like kind of the co-chef, chef de cuisine. 
and he did not last long after her exit and that kind of left the position open and I worked for you know a few months like that like no executive chef was named uh, they kind of wanted to see how I would do running it and waited to offer me that did you kind of take that as this is a challenge or this is a chance to really prove what what my worth is yeah, in the kitchen for sure for sure and uh apparently I did well enough and uh so they offered me that job and I ran that place for about 10 years and that place just to please grew from, you know, what it was to what it is now. Um, you know, they, they operate over a 300 acre farm, uh, cattle, pigs, turkeys, rabbits, um, herbs, vegetables, uh, hops. Um, it's just like exploded and, uh, it's, it's like, they would always say it's like a, it's the Disneyland of farms. I mean, it's so pristine, so nice. Uh, they raise like the best beef in the country. Um, and that was cool just to be able to have all those ingredients at, at hand yeah. all the time. And so, I mean, starting with great ingredients like that, it's, it's really, it makes it a lot easier to make great food. So do you think... Would, did that give you a disadvantage then, like later, uh, later in life? I mean, you have everything right there to be like going to my fridge and having an entire grocery store. Right. Uh, if you have a farm that you're saying is the Disneyland of farms, yeah. you know, you go somewhere else or even if you go home, it's like, well, you know, I could just walk across the farm and get right. top notch ingredients. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I, I, I got to go to Meyer. I think other jobs, uh, subsequent, I mean, I've only had, I guess really two mm-hmm. after Dequeez. Um, local farming has just exploded. Um, well, I mean like the local farm, the idea of a local farm has not exploded. That's a dying thing, unfortunately. But I think the rise in interest in local foods, um, is still on the rise. Mm -hmm. And so now it's, it's easier for, for me to get, you know, local beef and chicken and eggs and all the vegetables and whatever's in season, uh, delivered. Do you think that working at Joseph Dequee kind of gave you that that niche of let's keep this local, or did you yeah. have that just on your own accord? No, I think uh, Joseph Dequee's was like the um, like the forerunner in farm to fork cuisine in Indiana. They're like one of the first ones to be like farm to fork, literally, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of paved the way for a lot of other restaurants for sure. Mm. We we're we we're known for that. I mean. Statewide, at least um, nationally, at some extent, but um, definitely statewide. Mm. We were like the the example for like real farm to fork dining. So you kind of cultivated all that and made it happen, and then with farm to fork, you grew it, all that. Mm-hmm. You got some awards, like Joseph. Or, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Joseph Dequee Awards uh, in house. Better yeah, look. Yeah, uh, you we, get your we, sticker. You know, <laughs> like you're in school. No, yeah. uh, James Beard Awards, right? Uh, James Beard nomination, yeah, uh, for Best Chef Great Lakes region. Did you get nominated and then... Nominated like, and then not any further than that. Really? But even even just to be nominated um, is a huge accomplishment, really. That's kind of like winning the award to me, really. honestly. I mean, just being nominated is like, wow, I'm in a group of names. And you go down through that list and all these people of Chicago, Cleveland, Detroit... Um, Indianapolis, Bloomington. And you're in Fort Wayne. And you're like, we're just like in Fort Wayne. Yeah. Never has there been a James Beard nominee in Fort Wayne. We're the first one. Really? And you as a chef or is it as, as a, a restaurant? Chef. Me as a chef, yeah. Yeah. Uh, representing that restaurant. And it was like, wow, these 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 names on this list. This is crazy. Um now, th- I know I don't stand a chance. But to be nominated in that group of people, you're like, I mean, this is it was huge. It was such a cool feeling. Yeah. And I'm assuming you know those names like the same way that, you know, a kid might know LeBron James or a handful of NBA players. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, anybody in your field yeah. and like peers that you look up to and they're like, hey, man, you're, uh, you're as good as these people. We're going to put you on this list with all these people. 
all these people that you, you look up to or you know, or you're like, man, this was a famous chef. Uh, why is my name on that list? You know? Yeah. Um, it's surreal. You know, it's, uh, so then what, how do they qualify? Like, how would you qualify for that? How did you get there? Is it creativity? Is it plating? Is it just kind of the whole big picture of the, the big picture for sure? I mean, first year, um, it's a open voting for the public to nominate anybody. And I think what happens is if you get enough votes or whatever, then people will be like, oh, I mean, a lot of people voting for this guy. Um, I'm sure they just check out online first and see what's what's going on. Check out the restaurant, the website, the menu. Um, and I think if they deem that restaurant or that chef worthy enough to take a trip, they'll send out um, like a regional judge um, to come dine. And, and do you know that this judge is coming or no. is it completely? No, no idea. And I think after that, then they're like, I'm sure they have, I don't know how it works. I'm sure they have uh, some sort of <laughs> regional meetings um, and go talk about who they want nominated and, you know, debate all that mm-hmm. until they whittle down a, a list. Um, I think the first list is like 30 people and then they whittle it down to maybe nine or 10 or something like that. And uh, then that's it. And then you're kind of like, on their watch list after that. You know, there's people in Indiana alone, um, a chef friend of mine down in Bloomington, he's he's probably nominated five, six times, you know, never made it past that first stage, mm-hmm. but continually nominated. He's a good chef. Um, but to make it to that next round and then to actually win uh, a James Beard Award is, is like, it's like an Oscar. Really? Oh, yeah. And yeah. how many have you, you actually went past that nomination round? No, just the first, that first initial nomination. Okay. Um, which is good enough for me. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> you wake up, you get a text like, Oh yeah. my God. Right. Yeah. That, that first time. Um, oh yeah. Foreshadowing. Um, when I got a text from uh, somebody in Indianapolis, she was a writer for the Indy star. Uh, she's like, congratulations, Jeff. And I was like, what, what? Got on my phone, checked the website. I'm like, wow, yeah, like blown away. You know, that's crazy. I can, I can only <laughs> imagine. I mean, you're saying it's like an Oscar, yeah, yeah. You know? But um, so then with getting the the James Beard, I know personally, uh, you've flown a couple times to do. Was, were they private events or were they part of the James Beard? Because you've been to New York uh, to do it. meals, and then uh, I think you also went to D.C. Is that correct? Yeah, we've done, uh, or I've been a part of a couple dinners at the James Beard House. Um, in New York, one was, uh, like a Joseph Dequies dinner, um, where we brought all the food. It was, it was so funny cause we, you know, yeah, we're, we're farmers or whatever, but got to keep in mind that American specialty insurance, um, is also, how do I say like bankrolling mm-hmm. the restaurant. So we fly in private jet, Dang. um, and you know, Pete's wife Alice is holding a, a flat of eggs like in her lap on this private jet. <laughs> you know, it's like here, here we are, farmers on our private jet. <laughs> it's not real, you know, but uh, it was cool. We brought all of our stuff from the farm. Um, I remember opening up the cooler, and so they, they've got a staff at the James Root House, and they work all these events. Okay, and. These people will probably see all the best chefs in in the country, if not the world, come through the doors and cook in this kitchen. And I open up that cooler, and this guy, he's like, "Whoa, man, that's some real food!" You know, it's like stuffed full of like corn, you know, and peppers and eggplants and um, tomatoes. Not not like bags of like sous vide or cryovac stuff or prepared um, just ingredients. You know, this is just like I went to this, the farmer's market and brought the farmer's market to New York. You That's know? pretty cool. And the guy's like, man, I, you don't see that. You don't see that often. People just bring in all these raw ingredients like that. Yeah. You know, everything's usually just done. I'm like, this is, that's all I know. Really? how to cook. <laughs> you kind of <laughs> you probably, know? you know, wear that with a badge on or. Right, right. And that was a, a, a really good 
I guess compliment. I felt I took it as a compliment for sure. So then for people that don't know, um, what is the difference? Like James Beard, I feel kind of goes under the radar, but with some recent movies and cinema, everyone's Michelin star, Michelin star, Michelin star. Um, what, what would you say the difference is or what is the James Beard award? Um, the James Beard award is just, I mean, it's, it's an award to recognize excellence in your field, um, from your peers, basically. James Beard Foundation is a non-for-profit um, organization that they supply like scholarships and whatnot to, to kids, culinary field, whatnot. But um, I mean, James Beard, I don't know how many cookbooks he authored, um, probably over 30, I imagine. Um, he was like the, the guy that brought like American cookery to print basically. Okay. Um, he was taking like these American, uh, dishes and just doing, you know, crazy, crazy stuff. Not like, like crazy stuff like it is today, but just, uh, you know, just like beard on James beard on bread, James beard on game, you know, game meats or American cookery. He was just like the godfather of cookbooks back yeah. then like before like julia child really oh yeah yeah huh. for sure. i didn't even know that so they invite um chefs to come cook in his house that he had so his house was is you know i don't know if he like donated his house to the, the foundation or what or the foundation was created after i'm not really sure but um it's quite an honor to come and be invited to cook and where he cooked mm. and you know, there's seating in many different rooms of the house. You use the bathroom. You're like, this is the same bathroom that James Beard was in or, you know, whatever. Right. Right. Um, same kitchen. I mean, obviously some updates and modifications have been made, but it's, uh, it's just cool. And then they've got like chef frame chef coats on the, the stairwell leading upstairs and, Everybody's like signatures or, you know, sharpied on those chef coats to come and see who all's been there. And, um, yeah, it's quite the honor to be able to cook there and to get an award is just, um, would you say that cooking there is probably one of the biggest honors, uh, you've received? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, definitely. I mean, you can, you can like submit your idea for a dinner to the James Beard house and they can approve it or what, whatnot. But that first time we were actually like invited, uh, invited to come cook. So they and went to you. It yeah, wasn't the submittal or correct. Um, they invited us. So that was just cool. Yeah. And it took our, basically our whole staff up there, um, cooked and yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And some people from Indiana came, you know, just for that dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was there, which was really cool. Really? Um, and then we did another dinner there. It was more of like a collaboration event between me and, uh, some chefs from Indianapolis and bartenders. Um, basically like Indiana takes over James Beard. That's pretty cool. And you're only one of two. Is that right? James Beard guys in Indiana? No, there's, um, no, there's quite a few. Okay. There's, uh, um, I don't know. There's probably eight or eight or nine, mm-hmm. uh, chefs or restaurateurs that have been nominated in some way. They've got like a lot of different categories for awards. Gotcha. Now I think one of the things that does set you apart though, uh, just from having your food and going to your restaurants, multiple different ones, um, you have this unique, I'm going to say ability uh, to take something that wouldn't necessarily be in Fort Wayne or known as Fort Wayne dining mm-hmm. uh, and kind of make it a thing, or I might even say unapologetically make the dish. Mm-hmm. Um, every dish that I've seen you put out at least other than maybe the taco thing at uh, little Caesars mm-hmm. uh, has had some type of finesse to it. Yeah. Um, is that intentional? Is that something that you just feel inspired and it's like, I want this to look awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, sloppy food is sloppy food. Mm-hmm. 
I take great care in how my food looks. That's the first thing you see. Um, beyond that, I mean, I take really great pride in like a clean kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you've got a towel on your station, it's got to be folded. Your station's got to look clean and orderly. I've worked in open kitchens for most of my life where the customers can look in and see exactly how clean this restaurant is. And it amazes me to this day that people that have open kitchens can just let messes lie, you know? And uh, I'm like, if I walk into a restaurant and I look, we've got an open kitchen, I look in there and it's dirty, I'm instantly just turned off. Yeah. Yeah. Like these, these customers want to see a clean, organized kitchen that puts me at ease. You know, hmm. you know, somebody's taking care of you, taking care of your, your cleaning. Um, then that's going to translate to the food most likely. So it almost sounds like when you're feeling inspired to make a dish or, uh, cook something new, you take, you try to take the perspective of somebody's walking into my restaurant for the first time. Mm-hmm. What are they going to be thinking about? What are they going to be seeing, smelling? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's kind of where you go whenever you're developing a dish. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, first impressions are huge and that, uh, not just walking into a restaurant and how you're greeted by the host or hostess. Um, or I guess just host. Um, but to the look and the feel and the vibe of the restaurant sets the tone. And then first impressions to, you know, a plate that gets set down in front of you. You know, you can be like, yeah, this looks like shit. Mm. Probably tastes like it too. Really? You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think first impressions are important. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Finesse. and So being in a town that's traditionally, uh, I'm not going to say not, doesn't value uh, some of the nicer things. I mean, we have a plenty, of, plenty of good fine dining here. Um, but being in an area where maybe the whole picture is not looked at the way that it is in a Chicago or an Indy or um, like in New York or uh, D.C., wherever it might be, does that weigh on you a little bit or is it frustrating at times? Uh, I can only imagine trying to do something where you're looking at that big picture and it's like, look, this all matters, but maybe the public doesn't receive it too well just yet. Yeah. Maybe the public doesn't really care. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, this market, um, it's, it's tough. People are bargain driven. They are portion driven. Like more they, for less. Yeah, yeah. More for less. They want to, I'm not speaking for everybody, but people want to take home another meal with their meal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, they want a big portion and they want to take home some leftovers and they want to be full mm-hmm. They want to be stuffed and they want to feel that they got stuffed for, for a, a fair amount of money, mm-hmm. um, value. And we struggled with that at, the at the golden at the what is the golden restaurant for, yeah for i mean i guess this is a good segue time because you, you eventually left joseph de Quee and uh you went on your own venture to kind of do some of these dishes that you had dreamt of and been inspired to make um yeah, the, the golden picture wise at least the golden started as a well the golden was a restaurant foreshadowing um so the golden i had a sous chef uh sean richardson at Joseph Tequies. Great chef. A uh, great chef. And he is so funny. I'll never forget this. So I was interviewing him uh, for a sous chef position at Tequies. And we had an interview set up at the restaurant. And that day, Jean-Georges Von Richten just happened to be in town for who, a fundraiser. That? Who is that? A uh, super famous chef. Yeah. Super famous chef. Um, Anybody that knows anything about chefs and culinary field, Jean George, uh, he's he's awesome, and he was in town for a fundraiser, uh, blessings in a backpack fundraiser, mm-hmm. and um, he was at the farm, to Joseph Duque's farm. Um, he was gonna take a tour of the farm, and I was gonna meet him out there. And I was like, man, this is this is awesome. This is yeah. crazy. I can't believe he's here. Um, so I called Sean. I was like, Hey dude, I totally spaced this. Um, 
can you, I'll send you the address. Can you just come to the farm? We'll have an interview here. I'm, I'm like walking Jean-Georges von Richten around the farm. And Sean's like, I don't know who, who the hell's that. Really? You know? Yeah. He's like, I don't even know. I don't know what, what you just said. <laughs> I don't know this guy. Um, and he came to the farm and we met and talked and I was like super excited about Jean George and everything. And, um, Sean was a pretty, uh, inexperienced cook at the time. Uh, he'd worked at a, you know, the oyster bar downtown Fort Wayne, just kind of slinging, slinging food, you know, yeah. um, great restaurant, but, uh, he's just very green, you know, young. And, uh, we worked together at Dequeez, you know, I hired him like on the spot and he's like, well, I'll just let you know I'm also in like a rock band and, um, so I might need some, you know, weekends off. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's fine. It's not a problem. And we were together for, you know, um, almost a couple of years at just Dequeez and we just clicked, mm. um, just like really created uh, a friendship and one day, I don't even know, like the specifics, but the idea of, um, we couldn't get like a, a good craft cocktail in Fort Wayne. Like we would go down to Indianapolis and go visit some bars down there. And, um, like, man, we don't have any bars like this in Fort Wayne. There's no place to go to get like a good craft cocktail. So we enrolled in a, basically a class through one of the liquor companies. Um, it was like a spirits, fine spirits and service class. And it was every Wednesday morning we drove down to Indianapolis every Wednesday and took this class. Um, it was the first time they were doing this class. And so we're in a room with, you know, 30 other people and everybody's, they're all bartenders. They're all bartenders from around Indy or some people drove from South Bend um, surrounding areas and just Sean and I from just two cooks, you know, we didn't know, we didn't really know shit about, um, cocktails, but our idea was to learn, um, about cocktails and then start holding these little pop-up events around Fort Wayne where we'd do craft cocktails and, you know, a lot of bigger cities, you'll see chefs will do like a pop-up event. Uh, so, so some well-known chef will rent out this empty store or this warehouse or uh, whatever kind of abandoned space and turn it into like a restaurant or an event. And you buy tickets and you come and it's like the event mm -hmm. to be at. So that was kind of like uh, the idea. And... We ended up finishing the class, um, graduated. I graduated valedictorian. Of no that. way. Yeah. A chef amongst all these a bartenders. Chef all the bartenders, yeah. Um, high score. And Sean was right there, right there behind me. Yeah. Um, and we made a lot of friends that way because we would go out to bars and stuff afterwards or mm -hmm. restaurants. And I had already had a, a pretty good group of chef friends down in Indianapolis, but now we're kind of like, bartending now we're part mm -hmm. of bartenders dude cool. <laughs> um and then we started uh the idea of the golden and uh the name the golden we had been talking back and forth about stuff you know you got the the brass rail you got the there's a place down south the brass ring the whatever whatever uh slipper noodle you know you're just like trying to think of names yeah and we talked about golden like the golden coop the golden something and i remember we were just like texting back and forth i was on on uh, vacation in florida i was like on the beach and i don't know if he said it or i said it but we we're just like what about like just the golden like like the shining, mm -hmm. right? like, uh, the golden, like a state of mind, like a state of being, uh, an idea, you know, a way to be, um, excellence. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was it. It was the golden. So then we started holding, uh, pop-ups around the city. Our first pop-up was at Wondercomer, uh, right next to Bravis, mm -hmm. um, burger joint. 
and uh, you know, we sold 100 tickets, sold out event. Wow. We had uh, 800 degrees, uh, wood fired pizza, you know, food truck out there. Um, it was hot as hell. Um, we were, we got our asses handed to us that night. We had, we were using all real glassware. We were washing our own glasses. Uh, Sean and I were the two bartenders and we were taking money. There was a line. You couldn't even see the end of the line. People waiting in line 40 minutes probably. Wow. Wow. I mean, it was not ideal, but I, it was a success. For yeah. Sure. Um, we learned a lot about that. Like the line was so bad. We had, we had some other people like working with us and we would send a girl out with a, a tray of canned beers. I'm like, if anybody's just waiting for beer, you can buy it for me, you know, right here Yeah. or have a beer while you're waiting in line for right. a cocktail. And these were like real, like culinary driven cocktails, you know, uh, a lot of herbs and some vegetables. We had a drink called the, the beet street that was, you know, beet infused bourbon, tarragon, um, did you get any resistance doing some of that? I mean, people like palette wise, maybe not ready for that. No, I think it seemed like the right time. Like people were I'd never seen anything like this mm. in this town and they were pretty adventurous, mm. you know, and trying some new stuff. And, you know, we would just, we'd be in my basement making up drinks, uh, having cocktail tastings or whatever. We'd be in Sean's, um, Sean's house. Um, Sean's wife, Natasha, she still says, she's like, man, I miss those days when you guys were just making up cocktails all the time and right. we just try different stuff. It was a blast. Um, so you did all these pop-up events and yeah. I mean, the whole goal was to try to get to this, this restaurant that is No, that excellence. wasn't even the goal. No. It wasn't even the goal. The restaurant wasn't even a part of anything. Um, I mean, the goal was to do pop-ups and stuff. Just have fun with it. Really? And then we started talking about what if this was actually like a brick and mortar spot? Wow. Um, what if this is a real thing? The golden, mm-hmm. the, the restaurant. And we, you know, we'd just get off work, we'd talk, go out to a bar, drink and talk. And, um, you know, we wanted like a, a small kind of place. Um, like you could find like an old bar for sale and turn it in to mm-hmm. this like cool restaurant, a lot of great food and uh, great cocktails and whatnot. But then we were approached by um, Tim Ash, who was building this huge structure in downtown Fort Wayne, the mm-hmm. Ash Skyline mm-hmm. Tower, um, that he had a spot in there for a restaurant. He wanted somebody local. So we ended up meeting with him, and long story short, we opened the Golden mm-hmm. in downtown Fort Wayne. And it was a big, beautiful space. Um, real big city vibe. You know, very, you know, turntable, loud music, craft cocktails, huge, long, white marble bar, um, modern furniture, the baddest-ass kitchen, yeah, uh, cooking equipment. Um you know, it was just like, wow, are we dreaming? This is, this is crazy. Sounds like culinary luxury. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And, um, you know, we just, we did what we did. We were figuring stuff out and, um, having fun with the food. And Sean was absorbing knowledge at an alarming rate, mm-hmm. um, and experimenting, um, every day. I mean, he was, he was a real inspiration to me. So I'm like, you know, Sean's, um, you know, 12 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And he, he was just like, just getting started, you know, like thirsting for knowledge. And, and then here you so are, creative. this, this and big I'm, role now. Yeah. And I already made a name for myself and I've already, you know, kind of been there, done that a little bit, but this is both my first restaurant is his first restaurant and uh he was inspiring to me to just to watch watch him create and make moves where i'd be like how the hell did you come up with that or where did you like what is going through your mind here and we never really like butted heads about anything either you know it was just like 
hey man, you do you do your what you want to do. I'll do dishes. You do dishes. We've got some of the mainstays on the menu. Mm-hmm. Um, I will kind of be there, and let's just have fun with this food. You know, and that's what we did, and we focused on local ingredients. We focused on local ingredients to an extreme, to where, like, we weren't buying, like, hardly anything from that wasn't grown in Indiana. Really, or close by, yeah. Um, like a lot of restaurants. Oh, we're we're farm to fork, or we're blah blah blah. We were like extreme about it, mm-hmm. and Sean drove that mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, I mean, I was already farm to fork, but I would still, you know, I'd buy some a case of red bell peppers, you know, or, or whatever. Um, but he was like, no, we're not, we're not buying. If it's not coming from a farm, we're not buying it. And I'm like, all right, dude. All right, let's let's see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And I'm hundred percent behind him. Mm-hmm. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, no, this sounds great. You know, put our money where our mouths are. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was great. It was a great restaurant. It was fun. It was uh, put out really great food. People either loved it or they hated it. That's kind of a fun spot to be in, though, right? You know, you're not lukewarm. You're you're either on it or yeah, yeah. It's a difficult spot to be in. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's some harsh critics out there, and how do you take that? I mean, one of the things that I really want to figure out from you, I mean, art is a putting something out like this. You know, that's that's a form of art, and yeah. I mean, the type of person that I am, I I take critique harsh. Mm-hmm. It's valuable at the same time. Uh, but on some level, it's a little bit personal. For sure. You know, if you're putting something out for, you know, a patron to eat or uh, you put time, effort, energy, thought as to where the food came from, how it's going to taste, a cocktail that it might pair with. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a deeply personal thing for you as a chef. And then somebody comes in and is like... Rips it apart. Rips it apart. This sucks. Somebody doesn't know anything. <laughs> right. I think, uh, who was it? Anthony Bourdain said uh, Yelpers or Elite Yelpers are the scum of the earth. Yeah. Um, you know, you work years to get a, to get a restaurant up and then somebody writes something on Yelp, uh, that totally ruins 50 people from coming to your restaurant. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That power. That's crazy. Um, I, I, in the beginning months of the restaurant, I, I took things pretty harsh to the point where I, um, I think one of the first weeks we were open, we got like a three-star review and, I, I called this person out on his review. Really? Um, and then he took it down to one star after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I would start some some issues on social media for sure. Is that um, just because it is such a deeply personal thing for you, making some of these is. dishes? It really is. I mean, it's not just... It's just somebody that doesn't know anything. Um, know anything what? Like the science know, like, behind it or the art behind it or... Mate, they just don't, they don't get it. They don't get the idea. They don't get the, uh, I mean, I understand if somebody's going to eat something and they're like, I don't like it. Okay. You don't like it. That's fine. I don't like this. This, this place sucks. Oh, so they're drawing bigger conclusions. Music's too loud. Um, server didn't know anything. Um, you know, my, my, something was cold. Well, you know, like that actually part of the dish was, is supposed to be cold, sir. Uh, and yeah, our servers actually know a lot. Uh, we have daily server meetings every day. I think our service staff at the Golden was the most informed staff of any restaurant in the city. Like culinary? Um, yeah. I mean, we have quizzes. We have meetings every day, like lengthy meetings. Really? Because the menu is like always changing. Mm-hmm. Every day. Mm. There's something new on. Um, you know, and just people can just tear you down, rip you apart, um, from their, their computer at home. Be like one star sucks. Never going back. You know, and then people get on online. They're like looking for a place. Hey, I'm out out of town looking on their phone. Like, oh, this place has like, you know, 4.8 stars, but people gravitate to the negative reviews a lot of times, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, I know I do. I, I do it for now. I, I really don't care about reviews and shit like that anymore. But 
Um, I would like fixate on the bad reviews and really read them and take stuff to heart and take stuff personally. And um, recently there was uh, an event at this local brewery where they were reading, they would invite like industry people to read their bad reviews mm. um, on a mic in front of an audience of, of our peers or whatever. And I was like, man, that sounds kind of cool. And I went to that event and all day I'd been looking through negative reviews from the golden and it put me in a real shitty mood. <laughs> like going back to that, you yeah. know, like when I first read that or, or I remember this night or I was just like, man, people are just jerks, mm. you know? And I ended up leaving. I didn't even, uh, I didn't attend that event. I went there and, uh, I was like, I gotta go. Hmm. I told the lady, I was like, I gotta. I made up some some stories. Like, I gotta go. She's like, Well, you can go. We can go first. I'm like, no, I I gotta go. I don't want to. I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. It's already got me in a bad mood. Yeah, you know, I don't want to. I don't need this. So, yeah, criticism's uh is tough. I mean, you want to. You're not gonna please everybody though. You know, like right now this. Uh, my current position, um, you know, everybody's like, oh, man, food's so good, food's so good, food's so good. And you just get one guy that's like, oh, I didn't like, I didn't like that. That steak was, ugh, whatever. Um, like, then you're like instantly on the defensive. What do you know? Oh, yeah. You know, 90 people love this and you don't like it. What's wrong with you? Really? You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just don't take that stuff too seriously anymore. Especially, I mean, if you're getting 99% positive feedback on everything, then you can't really worry about the 1% mm-hmm. of people that are like, that place sucks. Mm. Well, you know what, dude? You suck. So, Do you think going through that season in the Golden with the, the rise of it and then kind of shutting things down, was that probably the deepest growing experience for you as a chef? Um, maybe as a restaurateur. Okay. Um, I guess I was officially a restaurateur. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really putting yourself out there um, and finding your identity. I mean, at Joseph DeQuise, I had my identity, but I was still like Joseph DeQuise. Mm-hmm. You know, you're coming to Joseph DeQuise. You might be coming to, you know, eat my food, but really my identity was closely associated with Joseph DeQuise. Now this, the golden was like really putting ourselves out there. Mm. Like, Hey, this is, we created this space. We chose the furniture you're sitting in. We created this vibe. We're playing the music, the, the too loud music, mm-hmm. you know, um, welcome to our home. Hmm. And uh, and people would come for that. Um, and that place had a really cool vibe to it. It was loud at times, you know. Um, late nights, we were open till two a.m. on the weekends. Jeez. And the place would turn in. We'd call it Club Golden because <laughs> we'd just get we'd get this really late rush, and the bar would just get crushed. Hmm. And we do late night food, and some nights the you have one kitchen guy in there slinging late night food and, you know, just like one item and he would get crushed. Mm. I remember the first time we did like chicken and waffles for, for a late night option. And, uh, Sean and I, we just made chicken and waffles for hours, hours straight. I mean, we blew through, Hey, we need more waffle batter. Hey, we need more waffle batter. Like, so way more than we anticipated blew through, I don't know, like 20 pounds of chicken. Wow. You know, couple short hours um yeah it was cool there's nothing like that there was nothing like that in fort wayne at the time there mm-hmm. still is nothing like it mm-hmm. and if somebody does something like it i'm be like i did it first <laughs> so not to be too negative uh, i mean bad reviews suck and nobody likes them let's switch it to the positive side of things what is some of the most rewarding things about what you do um as a chef regardless of where you're at whether it's opening and being a restaurateur or uh, your current position at the Copper Spoon as executive chef. 
even even if it's cooking at home, I mean, there's got to be rewarding aspects of chefhood. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, aside from just cooking for people and making people satisfied, um, you know, I love, I love just taking care of people. I love, I love being out in the dining room. I'll often go out of the kitchen to deliver food mm-hmm. to people. And I like walking around the dining room and talking to people. Um, I'm not a chef to hide in the kitchen. So I just love, um, that service. Mm. You know, like I'm doing something for you. I mean, I know you're paying for it and all, but uh, I'm taking care in sourcing the food and creating the food and cooking it for you. Um, that's that's my gift to you. You mm-hmm. know, I like, I enjoy that. So, like, I like the relationships that I've built throughout the years with farmers and um, other chefs and cooks and servers and bartenders it's just a really cool community to be a part of there's uh like lifelong friendships Mm -hmm. that i've built Mm -hmm. you know like there's somebody that maybe i won't see but once a year and just like like time hasn't even passed it's like best friends you Mm -hmm. know and they'll do anything do anything for me i do anything for them we other chefs we like to collaborate on dinners um and it's just a cool feeling being a chef and walking into you know a friend's restaurant and they're like so happy to see you and they take good care of you and you hang out afterwards and there's just like not another industry like that that I know of. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's rewarding. And then uh, all the relationships that you build with the farmers, the people that are actually growing the food is, is really cool really cool to see what they are. They are some of the hardest work, hardest working people around and get very little credit for what they do. So it's my job, um, to bring their hard work, you know, to fruition to, and let people know where this food's coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you'll find a lot of my Instagram posts and whatever social media, I give a lot of credit to, the people that are growing that stuff and really like some shout outs like, Hey, this, this stuff would not be possible without these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so easy to do my job when these guys are doing such amazing work and creating or growing or, uh, raising, you know, all these products. So that's a cool relationship too. I just chef life mm-hmm. hashtag chef life. That's the rewarding for me. Yeah. 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 Dude, uh, have you ever had anybody tell you, hey, you can't do that as a chef, or, uh, but you just do it? Can't do what? Like what? You can't pair these foods together, or no, you can't go out to the dining room. That's not what chefs do. Or have you just kind of paved your own way and like oh, figured no. it out? But I haven't had anybody tell me that. Really? No. I, I need to get in the I chef's life. I do what I want. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, yeah, I kind of do what I want. I don't know. I'll, I'll go to the dining room and... You know, the, the owner of uh, Copper Spoon, he, when I was out in the dining room when we, like, first opened, um, he's like, hey, I love I love seeing you out here, like, just talking to people. I mean, when we first opened, I had a lot of friends mm-hmm, coming mm-hmm. in, a lot of people I knew. It's a small town. I, I know a lot of people, but um, I like being out there and talking to people and all that kind of stuff and do whatever, you know, if I want to send somebody some free food or um, comp their bill or, or whatever. It's all, it's all about friendship and building relationships and mm-hmm. taking care of one another. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a couple in last night, um, a good friend of mine, and they came in after you know the late night menu had already been closed and I happened to be like at the bar when they walked in and I sat down, I'm like, man, you guys, are you guys hungry? I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, I know the kitchen's closed. I'm like, no, I got, I got you. Nice. I went back in there and whipped up a couple of the, the late night offering, which was like a broccoli and cheddar fried rice um, for them. And, and I told the bartender, I'm like, make sure you get them some silverware, and like, make them some fried rice, and mm-hmm. um, don't charge them. Don't charge them for anything. 
You know, that's just like little things you can do. That's just like inviting someone in your home. Yeah. You know, taking care of them. That's hospitality. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Uh, so a couple of minor questions before we close here. Mm-hmm. Um, you cook great food. I mean, I've had your food and I love it. It's phenomenal. Uh, everybody likes your food. Do you have anything against like a Chipotle or like going and just getting a street burger? Or you think that's just as dope? I, I like all food really? <laughs> except shitty food. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I eat all that stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. Coney Island. Love it. Still rock it. I love it. Yeah. Three with everything. Bowl chili, bag of Fritos. Dude. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Chipotle. Yeah. It's good. Um, I, one thing I'm not a fan of, and I think I'm the minority is that, uh, the little hamburger shop downtown powers powers. Yeah. I, I can't do it. I can't do it either. It's I've only been there once. I've same. been here almost my whole life. Yeah. And I just can't, I respect what they're doing for mm-hmm. sure. And people love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not, but I'm also not about to give them a one star review. No, <laughs> you know, it's just right. not for me. It's not yeah. for me. I just, uh, do you review anything? Do you review restaurants at all? Um, no, I, I would never give a restaurant a one star review or a negative review. Um, I have given some five star reviews. I don't really review places very much. Um, but if I did and I have a, a handful of times, it's all positive. Mm-hmm. All positive stuff for sure. It's awesome. I'm not one to be on there and be like, the server is rude. Yeah, well, you know what? People are rude. Yeah, deal with it. Life, mm-hmm. life, one star. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. Right. You know, I just, I'm not a big fan. Um, if you really got a problem with some, something, take it up with uh, the people that own the place. Yeah. Yeah. If you really have a problem with the food, um, leave a comment card or something for, for the chef or talk to the chef or, mm-hmm. um, don't just hide behind your screen. Yeah, and... Don't, don't just leave. Then on the drive home, Oh, I'm leaving that place a bad review. Yeah. For who, for who the world or for the restaurant or right. what's your intention? What are you, what are you getting out of that? You're just letting everybody know that you had a bad time. Mm. I don't care. Dig it. Yeah. So we're, what's uh, kind of your goals here going forward then now that you're you, golden, golden closed, yeah, took we, some time uh, off, yeah, unfortunately went we over closed. to Copper Spoon. Yeah. And then the what's golden. your vision moving on? Um, right now I'm just kind of settling into this new position um, as the chef at Copper Spoon. Um, just kind of seeing what we can do, what we can get away with and um, just kind of breathing some new life into that restaurant Mm -hmm. um so it it had been wind down for just over three years and now this rebranding thing's going on so it's just exciting to be uh, a part of something it's almost like a new restaurant um with a new name the totally new menu uh same staff same great staff uh i really like everybody that works there um you know just keep plugging along making great food and that's have some fun events, mm-hmm. you know, just bring some cool stuff for the city to do. Yeah. You know, the city of Fort Wayne, Wayne. city of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yeah. You think you'll still want to be doing the Fort Wayne life. And I mean, I feel like we've kind of concluded you've been a pioneer in multiple aspects of the culinary scene for Fort Wayne. You yeah. think that's the future and you're happy to be a part of that. You want to be a part of that. No, I'd like to live someplace warmer. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all, I don't mind the winter for sure. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, long-term goal is um to take it easy somewhere tropical yeah yeah maybe a little beachside shack yeah shaking up some pina coladas i don't know maybe we'll get back into bartending that's kind of cool i like <laughs> it but for now let's stick it out in fort wayne and yeah make a yeah. make the scene great keep on the grind yeah well you're doing great things man i absolutely love it um thanks i love everything that you put out i think there's only been one dish but it's not even one star worthy so yeah. I mean, good. I'm, You've it's had a good. Lot of my dishes, so I have. Yeah. I like them a lot. So yeah. I think you're doing great things. Uh, for people that are listening, where can they find you? And then uh, where can they find your your restaurant uh, on social medias? Uh, yeah, you can find me 
on the interwebs, uh, Instagram at Chef Butts. Um, I don't tweet, so you can find me on Twitter at Chef Butts, but I don't tweet, so it's boring. Um, otherwise, come see us in person at Copper Spoon, downtown Fort Wayne, right uh, adjacent to the Parkview Field uh, ballpark. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have some good food. Dinner. Done. Done. Shoot, man. Thanks for your time. Hey, thanks. I for appreciate you. it. Nice being here. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. So uh, you can check us out. Download our podcast anywhere that you like. Um, you can go on Spotify. That's a little bit of an issue to get on these days. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we'll be on YouTube, and you can always check out the website. Uh, special shout out to Sweetwater Sound for providing a bunch of the sweet audio gear. Uh, you guys rock. Chuck's a great dude. Uh, it's been been a fun time. So thanks, dude. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you. Peace. Bye.